by clinical trainees and for clinical trainees, this is Well-Rounded. Well-Rounded is your resource for all things healthcare business and policy. Your hosts are Dan Arteaga and Isabel Rosenthal. This episode examines the idea of resident as worker. Joining Isabel and Dan to discuss resident unions and their role at the University of Washington is Dr. Zoe Sandstead, an MD, MBA, and current third-year resident in family medicine. She also serves as the vice president of the university's resident union. Welcome to Well-Rounded. Hi, everyone. It's Dan and Isabel with Well-Rounded. Dr. Zoe Sandstead, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks for being here. We feel like we're talking to a celebrity in the world of residency (laughs) where, (laughs) you know, I feel like everyone has seen posts um, from, what's the acronym you like to use? UWHA. UWHA. Um, And I think it's sort of on the top of mind for many residents across the country, um, even for the majority of us who do not belong to unions. Yeah, thanks. Uh, I hope so. I think we've been publicizing a lot of what we've been doing. And um, unfortunately, you know, we've fa- we're facing quite an uphill battle, which um, gives us a lot to post about. But um, yeah, it's been interesting. Yeah. Isabel, d- does your residency program have a union? No. Does yours? No, mine doesn't either. Yeah. And Zoe, how did you find yourself getting involved um, with the house staff organization when you arrived at UW? Great question. Um, So in addition to being a labor union, UWHA has for a lot longer than it's been a labor union, just been kind of like the resident equivalent of like a student body group. Um, But for residents and fellows, Mm -hmm. it was those kind of functions that I was most interested in at first. But I happened to join the board during a contract year. And so we all were really thrown into this crazy process of going through the contract and figuring out what we wanted to change and what we wanted to really negotiate for. And I just got really sucked in um, to the negotiations and then just becoming more and more involved in that. So Zoe, you know, Dan and I started this podcast because we wanted to talk about topics that medical students are not necessarily taught or residents. So my dad was actually a labor union lawyer in his youth And that's probably where I learned the most about unions, but it's definitely not something I was ever formally taught. So I'm wondering now, are you working with union reps to sort of fully understand things? How does the education process work? We're in a bit of a unique position as an independent union. So many unions in the country are affiliated with like a larger group of unions, like um, right. the United Auto Workers or SEIU. And so CIR, the Committee of Interns and Residents, which is the biggest um, resident and fellows labor union, they represent 17,000 residents and fellows in the country. And they are an umbrella organization that represents residents and fellows at like lots of different hospitals. I think it's like 40 or 50 different hospitals. And we are very unique in that we're not affiliated with SCIU or anything else like that. And so we do sort of have to learn it ourselves in a different way. Um, We do have one employee, our executive director, and we do have a lawyer who helps us a lot. But all the rest of our labor (laughs) 
no pun intended, um, is really like <laughs> volunteer um, residents and fellows, which is pretty amazing. People just put a ton of time and effort into this and it's really incredible. But yeah, we do, um, we have a coalition at UW of other unions that have taught us a lot. Um, so some of them are affiliated with SEIU, United Our Workers, other unions, and they have many more employees than we have. And we have calls with them monthly. And if we have questions, we'll ask them for help. Well, that's incredible. I, I have to be totally honest, though. Before I started seeing these stories about UW and the residency negotiations and figuring out the new contract, I don't think I had ever known that residents had unionized or could unionize and that there were these large organizations kind of dedicated to these causes. Are physician unions or resident unions rather a new phenomenon or is this something that's been around for a while? So the first resident union actually was CIR, but in a very different form than it is now. Um, And that was founded in 1957 in New York City. And then um, there were several like early resident strikes that brought a lot of attention to these unions, mostly in the mid-70s to early 80s. There was a big strike in San Francisco and another one in New York City. Residents who are public employees have always only been able to unionize if their state determines that they are employees with labor rights that can unionize. But residents at private hospitals in 1976, the National Labor Relations Board ruled that residents were students and not employees and that they no longer had labor rights or could organize. But um, a lot of the states that already had resident labor unions um, made their own state law to sort of undo that. And so CIR still existed despite this ruling um, in certain states. And then in the late 90s, CIR petitioned the National Labor Relations Board to, to like look at that ruling again. And LRB actually overturned their initial ruling in 1999 and said, actually, we were wrong. Residents are employees. They're not students. And so since then, residents at private hospitals nationwide have been able to unionize. Thank you. That was such an interesting history lesson. Um, And one thing I'm wondering, too, because you're saying, you know, this is sort of a growing trend. What do you think is stopping residents from unionizing across the country? To help understand this, I want to think first about like who we normally think should or could unionize. Mm -hmm. And I think in the general public's idea of a union, most people think of unions applying to people who either work an hourly job or have an hourly wage, and less so this category of like professional workers. So like lawyers, doctors, and it's this traditional idea that people like lawyers and doctors like aren't in a union, but it doesn't have to be that way. Um, And so residents are kind of in between, right? Because we do kind of make less than minimum wage. Um, (laughs) So we're really low wage workers. We work a ton of hours. We're young and we're, we have very few worker rights and pretty bad working conditions compared to other industries. You're you're really rubbing it in there, Dr. Sandstead. (laughs) (laughs) So, so I think, you know, we're kind of in the middle, you know, we're doctors, but we're also, we have a lot of the same issues that a lot of other kind of exploited workers do. I would argue that we should stop thinking about unions as something that only waged workers or hourly workers should do, but all workers should feel empowered to unionize. So, for example, I I would think that like first year associates after law school should unionize because they also work like 100 hours a week and that's probably not healthy either. <laughs> Compensation's different though for them. It is, absolutely, and I think that's probably why they don't. 
But I think there's a lot of other reasons in particular about medicine and about doctors why organizing or rocking the boat or changing the status quo is difficult for them. You know, doctors are really risk averse by nature. It's also a very hierarchical field. Um, And then also professionalism and respect are very big values in healthcare and with doctors especially. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes those concepts can be weaponized to accuse people who are, you know, agitating for workers' rights or something like that of not being professional. And so those are all sort of forces that prevent doctors from getting involved in this kind of work. And then residents also are in a really scary place in their career because if you don't finish residency, you can't be a working doctor. So no matter how bad your conditions are, residents feel very stuck And so that's one of the reasons that organizing is so important, because if you're just one resident, like you can be subject to discipline or something, you know, you can be kind of brushed under the rug. But if we have, like we do at UW, we have 1400 members in the UWHA. If we say, you know, we don't have adequate sleep rooms or, you know, the meals reimbursements don't cover a meal or any of those issues, we can't just be kind of ignored. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're painting kind of a bleak picture, but to be honest, it all sounds true. It sounds like you've been fighting on behalf of your fellow residents through the union and in the midst of these contract negotiations. Um, How has that played out so far? Um, So our contract expired in uh, the end of June. And so we started having bargaining sessions in July and we've had many, many bargaining sessions so far. Um, We've made all of our proposals. We've gone back and forth with different counter proposals. And so far, we just haven't heard many reasonable counter proposals from um, the employers. So they aren't really meeting us halfway so far. But, you know, um, negotiations aren't won in the negotiating room. They're won through collective action. And so that's one of the reasons we um, had the walkout recently, the unity break. Zoe, for our listeners, what was and is the unity break that happened? Yeah, so um, we, as public employees in Washington State, and also as essential employees at the University of Washington, you know, patients' lives depend on us, we're not allowed to strike. And so, and we're also not interested in striking. So this was not a strike, but we wanted to show that our members were really with us. And we also wanted to kind of show the general public just how many residents there really are at the hospital. And so what we did is we staged a 15-minute unity break or walkout at all of our hospital sites. And University of Washington has five main sites. And so over 500 residents, just from noon to 12.15, walked out of the hospital. Um, We had signs and um, people... Uh, from the media were there. And we had um, Kashama Sawant, who's one of our city councilors, speak. And resident, different residents spoke about the issues that matter to them. Um, residents spoke about like childcare and difficulty of being a parent in residency. It was very moving. And just kind of uh, rallied the troops, honestly, um, and just showed UW that we mean business. And um, there's a lot of tough, smart, young people who really want things to be better for us. Well, it sounds like you've made some progress, but maybe there's uh, a little bit left to do still. Can we ask you, uh, you know, this has been a pretty unique experience uh, for any medical trainee. Um, What has been the most surprising thing that you've learned out of this process? 
Um, that's a great question. A couple things have been really surprising. One is that um, on the other side of the negotiation, so, you know, we have our negotiation team as UWHA and then UW Labor Relations has their side. And there's only one doctor out of like 15 people on their side, and that person can't always come. And so most of our sessions have been we're sitting across the table from people who don't know at all what it's like to be a resident or a doctor. It it was really surprising to me how little they knew about residency and what residents' lives are like. Another thing I was surprised by is I didn't expect to get so insulted by their offers. But when somebody hands you a piece of paper that says, like, I think that you're not worth the same, even as much money as you're getting now... Um, it does really hurt your feelings. Um, and yeah. I think we've all been pretty surprised at how much it's hurt to and how insulted we've felt um, by the offers that we've gotten. So these people you've been negotiating with, what do they not understand about why residents matter? And why do you think residents matter? Um, I think there's a lot that they don't understand about what makes residents really special. You know, there's a lot of things that make us really different. So, for example, we work the equivalent of two full-time jobs. Um, so things like childcare, even though that's a really huge problem for everyone in Seattle, and we would like to see huge structural change to help with that for everyone, it's especially hard for residents to get childcare in Seattle. One, we're pretty much all of childbearing age, which is unique. And two, we had to move here like on a, the drop of a hat and so didn't have time to be on a childcare waitlist for two to three years before we started working at UW. And then thirdly, we work two full-time jobs and might get called in in the middle of the night at a moment's notice and need really robust backup childcare. And also it's illegal for us to leave our kids in childcare for 80 hours a week. So what are, at a daycare. So what are we supposed to do, right? So those kinds of things that make us really unique, I think that they don't really understand. Um, but to get to your question about why residents are really special, I think a lot of people don't realize how hospitals really can't run without residents. It might not have always been the case, and certainly there are hospitals that don't have residents, but the ones that do, it would be completely impossible, and you guys know this, like it would be completely impossible to run the hospital without residents. We're just such a huge part of the workforce. I think even the fact that at one point the NLRB said that we were students just betrays a complete lack of understanding of what our jobs are like. Um, that like at night, I'm the only one in the hospital. If somebody needs to be seen by an ophthalmologist in the middle of the night, it's not an attending who comes in, it's a resident. I don't think patients understand that. And I don't think that the um, labor relations team understands that either. I would also add that having a residency program that is dedicated to education also instills a culture of education in the programs that they're in. So like, I'm not sure if attending physicians would feel as much pressure to keep up with, you know, the current knowledge and the current science if they weren't teaching it to, you know, younger residents and fellows. Yeah, I completely agree. I think that we 
create uh, an academic medicine culture that I think is really important. Yeah. There was something else that we wanted to ask you about. We were reading about the Safe Ride program. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so residents can be on in-house call for up to 28 hours in a row, meaning they work 28 hours straight. Um, and then other residents, usually surgeons, can actually do up to 36 hours of call because it is technically home call. And the norm for residents is to drive home after this, which is really incredibly dangerous. Um, and we know from a lot of studies that residents in particular, um, but also all kinds of workers, are more likely to crash their cars when they're fatigued. So much so that the Institute of Medicine actually recommends that programs provide round-trip transportation for all residents who work longer than 16-hour days, although this is not happening. And so at UW, we have this program called the Safe Ride Home Program, but it's very restrictive. So currently, you'll be denied if you take an Uber after every single call shift. But I think what we need is a really big cultural change so that residents are actually encouraged to take an Uber after every single call shift. And those are the kinds of things that I think the union can be so helpful with, like these big cultural shifts. Right. And I think that's such a good point, too, of, you know, residents, healthcare providers, they're, you know, taking care of other people. But a lot of residency programs are not taking care of residents. And this doesn't need to be, you know, a masochistic industry. And it seems like that is sort of at the core of what you're fighting against. Yeah. And I think it's tough because doctors really care about their patients and patients are first and that's always going to be the case and it should be. And so it's hard to get residents to value their own health and safety as well. But we're trying to just chip away at that as much as we can. Well, we thank you for fighting the good fight. You know, we ask all of our guests if they have any advice for our young trainees. What do you think young trainees who want to tackle big problems should know? It's kind of cliche, but honestly, it's the ask for forgiveness, not permission thing. Um, so my advice is really to just kind of take a lot of initiative and just do what you think you need to do. Doctors are extremely busy and sort of waiting around for something to change or for someone else to get fired up about whatever you're fired up about is probably not going to happen. And so you really just have to mm -hmm. say, this is important to me and I want to do this. You know, you, the UWHA labor union was formed by like three really passionate residents. And so you can do huge things without a lot of other people. And do what you think is right. And then also the other part of this is really, you know, you might not know if you're allowed to do it or if you're going to get in trouble. And, you know, within reason, I think if you just do it and then say, whoops, I didn't know we weren't allowed to organize a labor union or whatever, then we'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Well, thank you so much. Sure, of course. You guys do. So I think, Dan, is that a wrap? I think it's a wrap. Okay, that's a wrap. Have a good night. 